From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! On Super Bowl Sunday, CBS raises the hand of the champion while lifting the spirits of our frontline heroes. The celebration starts at 2 p.m. Eastern with JB and the guys getting you ready for the big game on the Super Bowl today. They'll cover the X's and O's along with a special performance from Miley Cyrus and some of the biggest names in music, all leading up to the biggest game of the year at 6 p.m. Eastern, February 7th. Celebrate Super Bowl Sunday on CBS. Welcome back to Fourth and Forever. Exciting to have this guest here. A kid, I know, I said kid. God, like we're both kids still, Kirk. Uh, but back with Bob Johnson training in Mission Viejo, working out, getting ready for the draft. That's when we met as young, impressionable college kids. Uh, but now in the middle of his awesome career as an NFL quarterback, former Michigan State Spartan and current Minnesota Viking, Kirk Cousins, welcome to Fourth and Forever. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thrilled to be on. So much respect for you, Mark, and uh, happy, to, happy to do it. So uh, looking forward to, to chatting today. Yeah, we got, a, we got a, a bunch of stuff for you. We won't take too much of your time, but uh, I want to know a little bit about this golf tournament. You're in an off-season golf <laughs> tournament. How'd you hit it? What'd you, what'd you end up? Is it uh, a memorable tournament or something you want to quickly put behind you? Yeah, so I, I'm enjoying getting into golf over the last few years. I got two young boys, so I can only play so much, but yeah. got this opportunity to play down here in Orlando this past weekend. Um, Diamond Resort sponsors a tournament down here at the Four nice. Seasons near Disney. And um, they had 50 celebrities, 25 LPGA professional golfers. And uh, they put us in different pairings over the last four days and uh, had a lot of fun with it. I finished fourth to last, so there's a lot of room for improvement as a golfer. Good. <laughs> but it was my first time really ever playing competitive golf. I had a good time with it. And um, now I got to get my swing dialed in a little bit. <laughs> Let's go. That's great. Um, let me ask caddies like the whole deal who was who was probably your favorite partner who who did you enjoy watching because i've played in tournaments like that probably not quite that caliber but more like going out and when you play with a legitimate professional golfer it's probably the way they would feel if we were just out you know throwing balls at targets and stuff because it's just natural it's what you do you're so comfortable in that element but watching them hit hit the ball and strike it pure (laughs) the sound that it makes the the kind of insight they give you leading up to shots, what they're thinking about. Similar as a quarterback, you know, what's the situation? What's the down and distance? Where am I at in the game? How many timeouts do we have? How much time is left? All that goes into it. What was your favorite part of playing uh, and, and who was your favorite player to pair with? Yeah, so got to play with four different groups throughout the four days. I mean, we walked 72 oh, cool. holes. My, my brother caddied for me, so it was the real oh, deal. We were on the golf channel. You know, the golf channel wasn't cutting to me too often, but – <laughs> uh, it was the real deal. So we had a lot of fun. Um, Brian Urlacher was paired with me on Saturday. Oh, great. Uh, for, a, for a linebacker who's 250 pounds and yeah. finished his playing career, he said, as about a 12 handicap, he is a wow. serious golfer. He shot a 70 on Saturday when I was playing with him. Oh, wow. um, so that was a lot of fun. We were able to talk football. We were able to talk golf, talk life. And I think that may be the most fun part of golf for me is having 18 holes, about four hours to walk and, and uh, you know, get to know somebody a little better yeah. than you otherwise would. So that was a lot of fun. That's cool. That's really fun. Um, okay. What about these games yesterday? I'm assuming you watched both yeah. of them, yeah? I did, yes. Okay. 
let's jump in to the AFC first, and then we'll get into your conference. Gosh, it, the Chiefs offense was just too much to handle. And it seems like they have these slow starts, right? They had the, the muffed punt, which really hurt them, puts them in a hole. And then they just seem to, to click. At a certain point, it's like things are going to happen. And they have this... They have this like swagger to them, this this aura around them that's just like, yeah, we'll we'll get it figured out here pretty soon. I, yeah. I don't know how you stop these guys. W- what did you see when you watched them? Uh, and and your thoughts on Mahomes? It, you know, knowing they got to throw it to Travis Kelsey and the guy's got you know seven catches at halftime. It's like, how do you stop these guys? What what did you see in the game? Yeah, I agree with you. I think 60 minutes is just a lot of time. They they can make mistakes early in the game and they can easily overcome it. We saw last year in the divisional round against Houston, they're down 24 to nothing if I remember yeah. right, and it didn't yeah. it didn't even matter. I mean, it was more than enough time to close that gap and then win by a, a large margin. So, you're never really safe. I'm, I'm sure even in the fourth quarter with a few minutes left, if you have a lead, you don't feel good. So, it, it would, you know, it's why they're you know, had the best record in the regular season, why they're hosting the AFC championship game and why they're going to their second Super Bowl in two seasons. You know, Mahomes is an unbelievable quarterback. Andy Reid's production is, you know, he's a Hall of Fame coach. And the combination of the two, is, along with the Travis Kelseys and Tyreek Hills and on and on and on, uh, they got a great organization and a great team. And, you know, they showed it again on, on Sunday night. No doubt. What about uh, Josh Allen and his development? I thought the stage looked slightly big for him, maybe just a tick big. I thought there were, um, you know, he lucked out with that interception being dropped on their first drive, trying to throw that little rail route or kind of like big box fade looking up the up the sideline. I thought he got away with a couple risky throws. And then, you know, uh, I think he threw one pick, but his development this year, I mean, he was like a dark yeah. horse MVP candidate after four weeks of the season. Yeah lighting the league on fire. What do you think about him and their prospects? I mean, they obviously have one of your one of your old receivers in Stephon Diggs. Talk about their connection, uh, what you yeah. remember from Stephon Diggs, uh, that whole situation. So let's go Josh Allen first. What are your thoughts on him? I mean, I think the Bills stock and Josh Allen stock is only trending up. Uh, Josh showed it this year, but I mean, he's he's an aggressive quarterback, and I think yeah. at times that may that may frustrate a fan base. But he's going to be right far more times than he's going to be wrong. And his arm talent is elite. Uh, he's tremendous off schedule. He showed it last night in a couple third downs where the initial play is over, and he's able to leave the pocket and go make an off schedule play, a uh, very difficult throw. He was tremendous running the football on Sunday night. Um, and I think with Josh Allen, a quarterback holding the football, you always have a chance. So he's fun to watch, too, which is another great trait of a quarterback. And um, uh, I think he's only going to get better. He's still really young, really early in his career. I didn't start consistently in the NFL until my fourth year, and he's only played three years. So yeah. he's going to be entering his fourth year next year. So um, great player. Uh, and, um, you know, they asked a lot of him on Sunday night. No you know, doubt. Really I agree. Gonna, I agree. They weren't going to run the ball weren't going to run the ball that much. And if you're going to put the ball up in the air that many times on the road against a good team, um, you know, you're bound to make a few mistakes, but I love watching him play. And I think he's, he's only going to get better. Yeah, you're right. Um, what about, I, I thought they did such a good job putting talent around him, whether it was John Brown, uh, Beasley, uh, Stefan Diggs, they've tried to build that thing the right way. In my opinion, mm. your thoughts on, on the, the, the uh, environment he's in and, and the organization that he's in with Coach Dayball and, and uh, what they got built in there. 
Yeah, I mean, I have so much respect for McDermott as a head coach and what he does defensively. And I think a large part of their success as a team this year goes back to what they have on defense and, and what they've built as a culture. I mean, you know Matt Barkley from the USC days, and yeah. I've spoken to Matt about the team. And he just raves about the culture they have, how close the guys are on the team. And I think that counts for something. And, um, you know, like you said, they brought in some good free agents. They've kind of built a nice uh, nucleus of core players. And, um, you know, you saw it in their march all the way to the AFC Championship game. So uh, they're going to be a, a formidable team in the years ahead because I don't think any of those pieces for them are going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, no doubt. I feel like they're like checking boxes along the way and they're they're taking the long road and they're giving it time to marinate and develop and cook a little bit, right? Like they got to beat New England. Then they beat New England twice. Like that was a big deal. Getting into the playoffs, getting to a divisional champion, uh, divisional game. You know, last year losing to Houston. Okay, we checked that box. We figured it out. We feel a little more comfortable in the playoffs. So I 100% agree. Uh, let's get to this team in your division that went down yesterday, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Let's just go straight to to the fourth down call. What'd you think about the call? There've there've been some articles out there. Obviously, this is you know speculation, and we weren't in the headset, but we can give our experience take on it. That third down call late in the game when you're down eight, right? You got to know going into that call and explain you know to the to the viewers and listeners. You got to know as a quarterback how I'm going to attack this third down and goal knowing or uh, you got to know what's coming on fourth down, right? Are we kicking the field goal or are we thinking about going for this? And if you could kind of explain from a quarterback's perspective why that changes your thought process, because, you know, in my opinion, immediately, if I know we're kicking the field goal, then yards might not matter. I might be a little more greedy to look for something in the end zone to get the ball in the end zone. Yeah. But if we don't have to score, I just got to get some yards. Let's just give us a better right. shot on, on fourth down if we're going to go for it. Talk about that play and what'd you think? Yeah, I know as a quarterback, you're you know usually wanting to know a two downs to score. Or yeah, one. exactly. And um, like you just said, and uh, many times in the in the open field when you get that, you know, on on third and two, if it's hey you got two downs to score, or two downs to get the first down, you're going to be more aggressive on third down, and you know even on uh, third and goal, maybe you get down to the one yard line and you know that on fourth exactly. down now that opens up your playbook to do a few more things with the run game. So yeah, it, it's one of those tough decisions that you're always going to be second guessed about. And if you lose the championship game, you're going to be second guessed about decisions. I'm sure the Bills are getting second guessed about ways they, you know, play the game because they didn't win. And that always is going to happen. But, um, um, you know, there were so many moments throughout the game. I love watching football if I'm not in it, one of the ways I like to really pay attention is is game management, situational awareness, and kind of study those situations. And I noticed late in the game how many there were. Uh, even in the in the four minute offense, we call it, where the Buccaneers are trying to run out the clock. Yep. When they have a productive first down play and it gets to second and one or second and two, and the Green Bay Packers voluntarily jump off sides to force them to get to another first down, so that they yep. have less downs to run the clock out. The Green Bay Packers basically get another timeout. Um, or even watching the Buccaneers when they returned the kickoff after the field goal, uh, the fact that Mickens took a quick knee and didn't run the clock down to the two-minute warning. I mean, these are all little things that can come back to bite you. In that case, it didn't. But, you know, you're, there's so many situational moments that you study so that when you're in those moments, you you know how to make the right the right move. 100%. And then when you see, you know, from the sideline copy, it looks like when Aaron throws a ball back across the middle on that third down, you know, you're watching with a casual fan and no offense to the fan, but they haven't 
necessarily lived in that moment. Everybody's like, oh, just run it. I don't know. From the sideline, it might look yeah. better. From the end zone, I mean, those DNs can close now. I know Aaron's, yeah. you know, he's a good athlete, but if he's pumping that ball and doesn't release it, I don't know if he makes it very far, right? Like, that's not as yeah. close. You, explain how close that is for, for the average fan. Well, there's no vertical grass to defend for the defense. So I didn't go back and study it to see, you know, and try to measure would he or would he not have gotten in. But when a defender knows he doesn't have to cover a lot of vertical grass, he can close pretty quick and redirect. Um, now, Aaron's arguably the best in the world at attacking the line of scrimmage while keeping his eyes downfield and still giving yeah. you a threat to both run and throw. If there's anybody who has a feel for that in that moment, it's him. He made the decision instinctively to, uh, to throw it. Uh, it was tight, didn't get it, but uh, you know you go, you go back and watch his tape through this season. He's made some unbelievable plays attacking the line of scrimmage, both choosing to stay as a runner and then also choosing at the last second to uh, to put it down the field as a thrower. Um, and it, it was a you know it's funny that we're talking about that because he's arguably the best in the world at, at right. that very moment making right. that decision. Uh, speaking of best in the world, we're talking about Tom Brady too. Uh, but right before we get to him, I want to talk about the Packers head coach and Coach LaFleur, who you were with in D.C. Have you talked to him recently? I'm assuming not since the game. But um, what did you think of, of his ascendance, obviously, and, um, and where they're at, where they're trending, and, and maybe some moves they're, they're thinking about making? I mean, you look at Twitter today, it's like, oh, Aaron Rodgers is leaving Green Bay. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> what just happened? Yeah. Um, so you know how one loss goes in a, <laughs> in a big game, and now you know the, the, the sky's falling. So talk to me about LaFleur, the Packers in general. You guys face them twice a year being in that division. Uh, right. What are your thoughts on them? The time has come for drag queens to save the world. Drag save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Yeah, I haven't paid attention to social media too much today, but uh, uh, I know looking at Coach LaFleur, he's, he's 26 and 6 over his two seasons as a head coach. He's been to two straight conference championship games, um, and his quarterback's about to be league MVP. So he's doing something right. And uh, he's been a, you know, a tough matchup for us in the NFC North. Um, you know, he's got a, good, got a great team, he's a great coach. And, um, you know, I look forward to going against him. For the next few years, we'll have some good battles up ahead. But uh, he was great to me in Washington, loved playing for him. And I was so fortunate to get coached by him and Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay and, you know, pulling for him, except for the the fact that he's in our division <laughs> yeah. and he's the coach of our biggest rival. So there's always that dynamic, too. 
Yeah, and you guys have some uh, some serious battles this year. I know Dalvin Cook went off in the first matchup at Green Bay. Talk about that defense, Mike Pettin, their defensive coordinator. I've, it just felt like in general, both of these both of these championship games seem like you know one team kind of jumps out to an early lead. The team that's behind, obviously chasing points, and there's some situations in there where you're thinking, you know, do we go for it? Do we settle for three? Both teams kind of had that conservative mentality, thinking they're going to get another shot. And the time just kind of ran out on them. What did you think about, you know, how that game ended up? Did you see that coming? Uh, what did you think about Aaron Rodgers, his performance? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're never safe with a lead with Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback. Uh, you know he's going to mount a comeback, and he did. He did bring him back in the second half. Um, you know, and, and if you're up on Tom Brady, much the same way. You expect him to bring him back. Uh, I've seen him do that in conference championship games. So, yep. Um, you know, we, we had some good battles against them this year. Um, and, you know, the Packers really, you could tell they really study the analytics and the situational awareness because when we played them in November, um, they scored and were down eight and decided not to kick the extra point but to go for two. And we thought at the time, with how much time was left, it was an interesting choice. But then as we analyzed it further, uh, we saw it made sense. And, uh, and then again – on Sunday, they decided to go for two, and uh, really had the play there. But in Dominican, yeah, the, the drop, ball, yeah. and it was incomplete. So, yeah, there were so many scenarios that uh, were interesting. I mean, we can talk simply about the pass interference call. You know, in four minutes, no doubt, for probably, on the floor. For probably oh. ten minutes. So, it, it, you know, it's NFL football, right? These games yeah. are all going to be close. There's going to be so many plays that have such a, a large impact on the final final score. That's why our preparation, and you've lived it, I've lived it. You're just so on edge because you know the next play, the next snap, a detail that you talk about during the week could make all the difference in winning and losing. Are you throwing that flag right now? You're dressed up like a footlocker employee, a referee. Are you throwing the flag? Is it pass interference or do they get tangled up? Because I'm I'm, I err on the side of let's let these dudes play, okay? But that's just me. Here's what I was frustrated about. It's the, it's the playoffs. I thought in the playoffs there's extra camera angles. And I'm watching it, and we saw two below-average angles of what really took place. I wanted to see an, an angle from behind where the back judge who threw the flag was standing. And there's got to be a camera right. angle from the end zone, from the goalpost, something from the sky cam where I can see what the back judge saw. And I thought not only from his angle, but that probably would have been the best angle. When I initially saw from the TV camera that, that the receiver fell – I thought it must have been pass interference. Then you watch it more, and and, and it didn't, you didn't see a lot of contact. But I just was disappointed that the camera angles didn't give more more angles, really, so I yeah. could kind of see what happened because it, it just seemed like when he pulled the jersey or grabbed whatever he grabbed, the receiver was still going and then suddenly let go, and then that's when the receiver fell. So it was yeah. hard to understand uh, what all happened. But I, I can understand why he threw it in the sense that the receiver did uh, did fall, and it, it – looked like there was something there yeah no doubt it, it there was definitely smoke so uh some of the <laughs> other things that that uh jumped out to me was the the lost fumble to start the second half was huge that put another just like just put more distance between green bay and tampa bay i thought um i thought the drop two-point conversion and then the pass interference and then uh how about this kind of surprised me but pitching the ball to a receiver to ice the game and get the first down. Obviously, he slides. I think it was Godwin. I would have just 
assumed you'd hand it to the back or toss it to the back. Yeah. I mean, it, the play works great, but you know, in a situation like that, if the guy runs out of bounds by accident or for some crazy reason decides to fumble the ball, I mean, just think about the headlines today. It would have been just a firing squad on right. uh, Bruce Arians, you know? And, and I mean, you know how it works, man. That's kind of the, the nature of the game. The next day, everybody's all over you. But anything else like either those plays or anything else that you really thought, damn, that was the game right there? Well, I just think it was a masterful job in four minutes because when everybody in the stadium knows you got to run the ball and run the clock. And yeah. um, I just thought they did such a good job in the four minute of, uh, you know, getting yards. I think they may have even thrown the ball the very first play. Mm -hmm. uh, but then when they did run it, they had productive runs. And then I, I, I like the creativity on on third down to run it. I think that uh, when again everybody knows you got to run it, keep the clock going. You know you're going to have to do something unique to just try yep. to run the ball right up the a gap is probably not no, going to no. get the first down. So I like the creativity, doing something different, but still staying in the realm of running the football. Uh, not you know it's still safer than probably dropping back and throwing. So you know you rep it all week, and then you, once you rep it and you install it, then you get you got to trust that guys are going to execute and do their part. And um, the Buccaneers did, and that was it. Yeah, and, and these last two games now for Tom Brady, let's talk about what he's been able to accomplish. But if you were to just look at the stat line, if somebody showed me the stat line of these last two games for Tom Brady, right against the Saints, less than two hundred yards throwing. Uh, you know, their top four or five targets have seven combined catches. Like, then you, you see this game, it's like three touchdowns, but three picks. 100% of the time, if I had to bet the farm, just seeing the <laughs> stat line and no score, no, no like box score or anything, no chance they win these games. So what the hell's going on in Tampa Bay? <laughs> they win three games on the road in the playoffs, which is unheard of. I mean, these guys are firing on all cylinders. Is it Tom Brady? Is it just their mentality? Are they riding a wave of emotion and momentum? What's the story down there? Because those stat lines did not jump off the page like, damn, he's balling. He's winning, right. but he's not balling, right. right? Like there were there were throws in there. Don't get me wrong. I'm not criticizing the guy. It just doesn't look like a normal winning stat line. No, you don't expect to throw three interceptions and win the NFC Championship game, but <laughs> uh, he did a lot of good things. And they have a tremendous pass rush. They got a lot of playmakers. Uh, they're well coached. And the combination of it all, including Tom Brady, is why they're headed to the Super Bowl. We played them in early December, mid-December. You know, very similar. They, they you know, were productive on offense. They didn't go off, but they had a productive day. I don't believe they turned the ball over against us. And, um, you know, we felt their pass rush all, all game long. And, uh, and they beat us. So... You know, I think their pass rush is is uh, elite. I think they've got several guys who can get to the quarterback, and they've invested in that, and uh, they're getting those results. I, I think this is going to be huge for them, but they had, what, seven, eight sacks in two games against the Packers this year? That was huge, to get the pass rush yeah. and get Aaron on the ground because we talked about it earlier, and you said it. When he attacks the line of scrimmage as a runner and a thrower, a dude might be one of the most dangerous guys to ever play, right? Because he's nasty. Right when plays are off schedule and he's attacking vertically in the pocket, it's on. Your defense is in trouble. I know the pass rush is going to be part of it for Tampa Bay. What do they have to do to dethrone the Kansas City Chiefs, in your opinion? Well, I think on offense, you got to be aggressive because if you're kicking field goals, it's a matter of time before the Chiefs are scoring touchdowns and they're going to outpace you. But 
I, I do think that pass rush is going to have to condense the pocket and and it's going to have to come from all sides because if it's just one guy getting beat, Mahomes will still be able to right. find a way to get out or step up or, or or make somebody miss. So if they can really collapse it from both sides and from in front, um, you know, I think you got a chance. And um, who knows? I mean, I, I would have said, you know, hey, you got to protect the football. But you turn the ball over and you still win. So yeah. it's 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 interesting. And I know last year the 49ers were able to contain the Chiefs in the Super Bowl for much of the game. Yeah. And then suddenly at the end it was two touchdowns and that was it. So you got to play the full 60 minutes. And if you're doing something for, for the first three quarters, you're going to have to hold on for 15 more because at some point the Chiefs tend to figure it out. Mahomes and those guys almost – you know, play better from behind. Like they need to in a in a boxing match, they got to lose the first couple rounds and take a couple take a couple licks. You know, bloody up the eye, and then it's like, all right, here we go. I'm start landing all the combinations. But whatever that's about, it is impressive to watch. Something else, if Tom Brady is able to pull this off and win, what would be what seven Super Bowls now? Seven out of ten. I mean, the guy's hitting <laughs> seven hundred in Super Bowl, like. What does that say about him? Your thoughts on him, obviously, as a player, as a competitor. Well, he's got to be the best of all time if he's not already, right? I, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, it's um, it's incredible. I mean, coming out the gates in his career, I think he won. He, you know, he didn't play his first year, and then I think he won three Super Bowls in four years. So that, <laughs> that right there is ridiculous. But then he went a decade, you know, without winning one. Which for him to think for ten years he didn't win one is incredible, uh, but he was always seen to be in the conference championship game, which says so much. And then, uh, and then yeah, he's seemingly in my career since 2012. He's played in one. I mean, really going back to 2011, played in one. It seems like every other year, or more. And um, you know, and every time he's won, it's been close. Every time he's lost, yeah. it's been close. I mean, any one of those games could have gone one direction or the other. Um, I think the most impressive one I ever watched was the Atlanta game where he came oh, back God. in the second half, the throws he made, and knowing that there was no room for error. I mean, the throws he hit, he had to hit every single one, and they did. It was uh, an unbelievable performance by him. You know, I think that Super Bowl performance will always kind of stand out for me. But, um, you know, the fact that he's now doing it with a different team, uh, the number of conference championship games he's played, and the number of Super Bowls he's appeared in, regardless of winning or losing. Right. I think those those actual statistics are more impressive. When you've lived it, you know how difficult it is to get to a conference championship game, how difficult it would be to get to a Super Bowl. And he's done it so many times. Whether you win the final game or not, just to, to think about how many times he's been there is ridiculous. I thought this was interesting. Obviously, the first team in NFL history to host a Super Bowl game, right? Advantage, disadvantage, do you like that, not like that? And then I want to talk about the Chiefs' travel schedule. They're not going in until the day before the game. So uh, definitely different from, you know, the week leading up to the Super Bowl and all the activities and all the fun. It's obviously different times that we're living in. Uh, but what are your thoughts on the Buccaneers' home game first and then the Chiefs' travel schedule? If you're Andy Reid, would you do that? Go for it. So I didn't know about the Chiefs doing that. I guess it makes sense in these unique times we're in. I've heard many people say that uh, Super Bowl week, the way to prepare is to start this coming week right now like a normal week. So mm -hmm. when we get to next Sunday, which is typically the Pro Bowl game, uh, you're ready to go. I mean, you've done your normal week of preparation. 
And then when you get past that Pro Bowl Sunday and you look towards a normal week for the Super Bowl, because you usually travel to the Super Bowl site and there's so much extra media, so many other events, you know that you can go enjoy those events and and know that a lot of your work has already been done and the haze in the barn. And then you can just spend that week fine tuning what you've already practiced and gone over. Right. Uh, that tends to be the routine that everybody who gets to the Super Bowl takes on with those two weeks. Now, not leaving Kansas City until the day before the game, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they choose to schedule out their plan and if they treat this week more as a bye week or if they really go for two straight weeks. I'd be interested to see how they choose to do that. With Tampa being the home team, again, really unique opportunity for them. You know, I'd be interested to know if they're the home team in that stadium on Super Bowl week. I don't know how they do home and away for the Super Bowl, but the away locker room in Tampa is pretty snug. It's not one of the better away locker rooms, so it would be oh, kind of funny if it'd be kind of funny if they were the away team and had to go use the away locker room because uh, it'd be a major change from their normal home locker room. So I don't know how the NFL does it, but yeah, um, that's a good question. Um, now that you say that, fun to see. I don't know either who's going to be the home team, who's going to be away, because if you give it to, there's got to be some sort of like total points scored or you know playoff yeah. something. There's got to be something, right? Huh. Yeah. Okay, we got to look. Maybe that the up. higher seated team. Yeah, gotta but, be uh, right. But they may be the away team in their own stadium, and and again, it might be an advantage if it was a normal year. But with COVID and the limited number of fans, you know, yeah. it's hard to say how how it will help them or not. That is that is really interesting. Then, okay, let's talk about your Vikings this year. Come out hot, some young talent. Talk about um, you guys. You finished third in the NFC North. Talented young playmakers on the roster. Justin Jefferson. I want to talk about him. He's a graduate of the show as we call him. Hmm. Um, but it was, you know, you, you get off to this, I, I said hot start earlier, but it's more of a difficult start because of the way COVID, you know, affected the off season. Talk about how hard that was to not have those young guys in a traditional off season environment. Once you draft them and, and the chemistry and, and how difficult it was to establish. Cause there were flashes during the season where you're like, wow, how are you going to stop these guys? When Dalvin cooks balling Rudolph's, crushing it like normal and then you add some pieces like Justin Jefferson give me your assessment of the season and and where you think you guys are headed yeah I mean Justin was a great draft pick for us uh I guess what you lose out on is the preseason games and just the more time on tasks to build that initial rapport so that week one we were able to use in the way we were using in week 10 12 15 um but it was really week three that we said okay you're gonna be our guy at X, every down, let's go. And if you're too young for the moment, you know, we're going to work through that because we want to get you out there and start getting you chances to make plays. And he, we never look back after that. Was there a conversation that like you had with him, with Zimmer, with somebody, Kubiak, somebody that was just like, hey, this is the time? Like, was it yeah. like to Justin or to you or, hey, you let him know, you relay the info? How did that work out? You know, Justin had played mostly the slot only at LSU his final year. And as a result, we expected to to use him in the slot initially as a rookie simply because that's what he had done in the past. We thought that was how he was kind of wired to play and also to not overload his plate uh, in year one, especially with the reduced offseason as we talked about. So the plan was to kind of keep him in the slot. That's how we practiced him. And um, 
the first two weeks, you know, week one, we did some good stuff on offense, moved the ball, didn't really feel a, a need to change anything up. Week two, we really struggled. We, we had a hard time moving the football, and Justin made some big plays for us in the game from the slot. And coming out of that game, we just felt like, you know, uh, we need to get him more touches. We're not in 11 personnel all game long, so let's, you know, put him in there more when we have a fullback in the game and two tight ends. This will give him more chances. So moved him to X uh, week three. And he made plays right away for us, scored a big touchdown in that game and never and never looked back. But I think that really was a, between week two and week three when we had struggled on offense, just felt like it was time and it was clearly the right move. And, um, you know, he'll be playing next now, hopefully for a long time. No doubt. He was he was special to watch. Favorite parts of the season, whether it was Dalvin, Rudolph, uh, Jefferson, mm -hmm. when you felt like, man, that's it. We got to bottle this moment or these yeah. this stretch of games where you just felt like, dang, we're clicking because because it's there. And for people who watch and say, oh, seven to nine, third in the division, like, eh, well, that's like so close. We're talking a field goal yeah. here, an injury there, you know, one change of possession, one one penalty that changes up some of this, some of these games gives you a little momentum and all of a sudden you're a 10 win team, right? Like that's how close right. it is. Give me your, you know, favorite part of the season where you guys felt you were clicking. And then what are we looking forward to uh, with the Vikings next year? Well, we started one and five and we lost some really close games to some good teams. So we knew we probably had a better team than our record. We went on our bye week in late October and came back from that bye week and won at Green Bay. And we were able to kind of claw our way back through November and early December to get back to 500. Yeah. And I think that was a stretch that really, uh, you know, showed the improvement we were making as a team was that stretch in November and early December. And then, you know, we didn't really close the, close the door. We had a great chance at the end of December to, to win a stretch of games and kind of close the door and get to the playoffs. And we just, we weren't able to do it. But, um, you know, I think with the year Dalvin had, I mean, if not for missing the last game due to his, his dad passing away and having to miss that game, he likely goes over 2,000 all-purpose yards for the season. You know, that's really special. Not many guys in the NFL are, are doing 2,000 yards from scrimmage in a season. And he really did it. He, the 19-whatever hundred yards that he had, he still missed two games. So very impressive. Um, Justin, as a rookie, to do what he did was special. Adam Thielen had 14 touchdowns. Um, you know, so on offense, there are a lot of positives. And it goes back to our coaches and the game plans they put together, the way they coached us, the way our guys worked. You know, we just – weren't able to find those inches we needed to in some of those nine losses that, uh, you know, like you said, if you turn two of those games the other way, you're in the playoffs and, no doubt. and that's all you need is that chance to get in. 100%. Well, I like that perspective. I did think that was an impressive stretch, like you mentioned, uh, to get back to 500. And then next year, you know, now that you've been on the show, we're big fans. So we got to get you guys, right. uh, we got to get a little that's playoff right. push in there, get you back in the playoffs. But switching gears a little bit to a couple of legendary quarterbacks that are retiring this year, it sounds like, uh, with Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, Drew Brees, a fellow Big Ten guy like you, Purdue grad. I think they won a Rose Bowl when he was in college, then goes to San Diego, blows out his shoulder, reinvents himself, comes back with Sean Payton and what they were able to do. Uh, over the last decade or more is pretty impressive. Uh, but what what are your thoughts on Drew Brees first, your favorite moments, memories of watching him, uh, any inspirational stuff that, that if you know him personally? We played him on Christmas Day this year, and uh, in warm-ups I saw on the, on the uh, monitor in the stadium that he had, you know, 79,000 and, and – uh, 
you know, whatever yards he needed only like 50 yards to get to 80,000. And so I thought, all right, today, we're probably going to watch Drew Brees get 80,000 passing yards in, in, in the league. And um, sure enough, on Christmas day, we watched him cross the 80,000 yard threshold. And um, that kind of summed it up for me. Uh, when you talk about just sustained, consistent excellence over, you know, so much, so many years, um, you know, you don't just throw for 80,000 yards in the NFL uh, <laughs> unless you're doing something right and your habits are, are correct for a long, long time. So, um, you know, he was a guy, I got to go to two pro bowls where he was there. So I got to spend a week with him. That was a thrill to just to get to talk to him, ask questions, learn from him um, on the field, off the field, how he goes about his business. And I remember watching him at Purdue. Like you said, I grew up in the Midwest. Purdue games were on TV on Saturdays and Usually when you turn on big 10 games, it was ground and pound three yards in a cloud of dust. But when Purdue played, they were throwing it all over the yard. And so it was a lot yeah, of fun to yeah. watch them. And um, when I was recruited to Michigan state, Mark D'Antonio would tell me that, uh, you know, he felt like there were some traits that were similar to Drew Brees, you know, when I was coming in and I kind of always then watched Drew and, and tried to sort of emulate his game and believe that if he did what he did in the big 10 and the pros, that maybe I could do the same thing. And so, he was always kind of a distant uh, uh, person to chase after and, and model my game after. And, um, um, you know, we'll see what decision he makes here. But regardless, he's one of the best to ever do it. And he'll be in in Canton, you know, only a few years oh, after yeah. whenever he decides to hang it up. Yeah. Uh, another, you know, a lot of interesting discussions on Sports Talk Radio that I'm now turning into my dad because we used to listen to sports talk radio all the time. And uh, my four-year-old kids in the back, like, you know, asking questions, who's uh, Philip Rivers? Who's this? Who's that? Cause he's, he's got no clue, but uh, I'm trying to educate him along the way a little bit. And, and it's so funny flipping uh, or switching roles like that. But Philip Rivers has been a, um, a hot topic as he's retiring and announced, but is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? And you hear, I mean, you've played against him plenty of times. I played against him a bunch. You hear people talking like, well, he has this many yards, he has this many touchdowns, but if, you know, Matt Ryan and Matt Stafford and guys like that continue to play for the foreseeable future here, they're going to pass all those records. So by the time the five years is up for Phillip Rivers to get in, does he actually get in? I'm curious what you think as, as one of his peers. Well, I... I think we over, or by say we, I mean out there in fandom, overvalue one Super Bowl, one world championship. Because if Philip Rivers wins one Super Bowl, is he in the Hall of Fame? No question. And yeah. Everyone no question. say yes. So you say, okay, so you're telling me he's been to the AFC Championship game, played in it, I believe, on a, on a torn ACL. So you're going to tell me if they just somehow win that game and the next game they somehow win, you know, as we've learned, you can throw three interceptions in a game and win it. Uh, if that happens – he's suddenly a hall of famer, then I think, yeah, I think he's a hall of famer now without that. Um, I think there's kind of an overemphasis on needing that Super Bowl title to, uh, to justify it. But when you, when you do what he's done for that many years, you know, maybe I'm just overemphasizing sustained excellence, but um, I think when you do it for that many years and do it at a high level like that and stay healthy and start for 200 plus games and go to multiple pro bowls, I think you're pretty deserving. And um, you know, you certainly, he certainly had some, some years where they were four and 12 or five and 11, but he also had some years where they were 13 and three and 12 and four. And, you know, those are, those were pretty special years. So I, I do think he deserves to be in Canton. 
No doubt. And then uh, another coach, or excuse me, a coach who announced his retirement, who you've gotten close with, Gary Kubiak, after 25 years of coaching in the NFL, your guys' relationship and um, how how he's helped you evolve um, as a player, as a person, anything like that. I know his his son Clint was there too, right? That's right. Clint's our quarterback coach, and uh, I was just so grateful that my path crossed with Gary's. Uh, I've been so fortunate to have great coaches going back to when I was drafted with Mike Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur, and then to have Jay Gruden and Sean McVay, and then to come to Minnesota and be around Gary Kubiak and his entire staff. You know, Rick Dennison is an offensive line coach, Clint is my quarterback's coach. Uh, very fortunate. And, um, you know, it was it was a quick one year with Gary as the play caller. We did a lot of good things. Um, would have loved to have had more years with him, but, you know, he was he was ready to uh, to pass it on to somebody else and, and uh, go enjoy you know, his ranch in Texas and go enjoy retirement, spend more time with family and friends. As you know, you know, this business, especially the coaching profession is so demanding of your time and your energy and it's all consuming. And so he had given his all for a long, long time as a player and coach and he was ready to uh, go enjoy other things. So um, I, I'm, you know, wishing him well. He's going to enjoy retirement, uh, but so grateful our paths crossed and then I got to play for him for really two years, but but one as a as a play caller. I wanted to ask about the Super Bowl and then your Skittles commercials that I love so much after my <laughs> deep dive on your Instagram, which I also love so much, and I couldn't believe deep I didn't dive. follow you. I was like, damn, that's rude. <laughs> so let's go Super Bowl prediction and why. Uh, I'm going to go with the Chiefs because Repeat. I think I think they're that good. I think they're well coached. I think they uh, have a tremendous quarterback, and um, they've been there before. You know, I, I at this point, who knows? But I think the Chiefs are going to win it. It, it. Good, you know, good chance it's high scoring. Yeah, I was just going to say, give me a give me a score. What do you think? Like a 38 kind of points or 35, 28? What do we got? Yeah, yeah, maybe 35 is a good number. Uh, maybe low 30s. Uh, many times in the Super Bowl, it's just a little bit harder to find find those points. But maybe low yeah. 30s for the Chiefs and maybe mid 20s for the Bucks. Hopefully, it's a great game. You know, it's a lot more fun when the game goes down to the final place. Okay, let's talk about your podcast. It's called Under Center. You know, when you talk about podcast names, that's was it. How hard was it for you to come up with the name? Because immediately, <laughs> when I think of it, I think, well, what about when you're in shotgun, like a total jerk and cynical prick? <laughs> but then I thought about Fourth and Forever. I'm like, what about the other three downs? You know? So I get it. Yeah, it's, what happened? It's not <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we got a crappy. We had a crappy drive there. What went into the name? Uh, what do you like about it? What's been difficult about it? Uh, and who's your favorite guest? And when am I getting a damn invite? Well, you're going to be first on the list next year. But right, uh, uh, VEN, Vikings Entertainment Network, is kind of the in-house uh, you know, media component of the Vikings. They do a great job. And they came up with the name. They really run the podcast. I just get to show up and uh, talk football. So we have fun with it. You know, I did a radio show in Washington when I was playing there. I really enjoyed yeah. the chance on Monday to kind of debrief the game after you've had a chance to watch the film, catch your breath. You know, really the only chance you get to talk about the game is right after the game. You haven't seen the film. It's hard to give much of an answer. So Monday was a great opportunity to call in and talk through it. Um, so when I moved to Minnesota, wanted to do that and uh, it wasn't quite as easy to find that opportunity. So we thought, why not just create a similar structure, you know, through the the uh, vehicle of a podcast, and basically give yourself a chance to kind of debrief the game and talk about the next week matchup, and kind of have a direct line talking to the fans. So, you know, we've done it the last two seasons. It's been fun, and I brought on a lot of guests, which will 
we'll have you as a guest next season. But uh, it's been great to have my teammates on as guests and just get to know them in a different setting and ask questions, kind of like what you're doing right here. I've really enjoyed that part of it. And is that going to be your move in, uh, you know, how much longer do you want to play, by the way? Five, six, seven, eight, ten years? What, yeah. what, what's your plan there? And then after, are you jumping into media? Are you going to break down games? Are you going to coach your kids? Uh, are you going to, you know, <laughs> pursue, keep pursuing your foundation? Like, what, what's, uh, what's yeah. the move for you when it's all said and done? It's a great question. I ask that of myself a lot. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm year to year, really, honestly, you know, every season, it takes so much out of me that I really reevaluate each year and say, do I want to, you know, do I want to do this again? And if so, you know, under what circumstances, but, um, uh, you know, I absolutely want to want to play again next year and we'll go through the, that year and see, see where it leads us and then what it brings from there. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I would like to play a while longer and I'd like to, uh, uh, hopefully stack up a lot of years and and you got to stay healthy you got to play well you got to earn the right to do that but um you know that's what I'd like to do but after switching teams once I've learned that that's tough you know to constantly start over learn a new offense uh learn new teammates you know new people in the building you know hitting that reset button over and over can can really make it difficult to keep playing so the more you can have consistency I think the more possible it is to last a long time and play a long time and and uh so we'll see where it leads and your faith and your family obviously are huge factors in that talk about your family their support and um yeah. you know your two boys i got a four-year-old boy myself and how important that is th as they inspire you and 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 how you're their dad and that's really you know your husband first and your dad second ish right. you know those kind of you know go back and forth between yeah. number one i feel like uh but <laughs> it, you know explain your relationship with them, how much they support you and your inspiration from them and, and your faith in God. Yeah, it was a life goal of mine to marry up, if you will, and, <laughs> uh, and mar you know, marry someone who, who was better than me in so many ways. In marrying my wife, Julie, that was a life goal that I was able to achieve. Check that box. So very grateful to have Julie as my wife. Uh, she's just uh, the greatest support. Um, she puts zero pressure on me, you know, to, to play longer or to play well. She's just there and she loves it. She loves being a part of the NFL journey. She's up for the adventure. She loves cheering us on. And um, she does a great job not riding the roller coaster that can so often happen playing pro football. So it's been a great partnership, me and her. And uh, and we've got two boys now, Cooper and Turner. He's Cooper's three years old. Turner's almost two they're they're a handful especially when they're together but uh we're having fun with it and it'll be so fun to see kind of who they develop into and and what they want to do my younger one turner is already throwing with his left hand um, oh boy he walks around the house walks around the house patting the ball like this and then chucks it wherever he wants so um we'll see where he ends up but i'm gonna have fun as a dad and certainly when i'm done playing would love to be able to coach them a little bit and whatever they get involved in that's great and then uh briefly on your Skittles commercial, you going through the inflatable <laughs> guys at the at the car dealership, it looked like, talking about dropping a mixtape in the back seat of the car. Uh, you know, <laughs> what's going on with those? Because every quarterback in every, you know, local market always has some funny commercials. And I love, love, love going through these and breaking them down with the with the actual players. Um, <laughs> how did you feel on that? Because <laughs> a couple of those inflatable guys, you know, the guys, you know, doing the thing and, you know, they look oh, like yeah. they might've tackled you. Look like they might've sacked you once or twice <laughs> in that little gauntlet you, you put yourself uh, through. 
you know, when you agree to, to do these uh, to these pitches, you got to know you're walking into some stuff sometimes <laughs> that's going to take you out of your comfort zone. But you got to have a sense of humor. You got to be willing to laugh at yourself. And uh, no doubt, you know, sometimes you strike out, sometimes you hit a home run and sometimes <laughs> you're, you're in between. And uh, like you said, we've all kind of done it. You know, I've, yeah. I've seen some old school local endorsements of some older quarterbacks from back in the day that make you just laugh and shake your head and you know it's fun it is and um you know hey if they're if you're giving you that opportunity it's a good one and usually you want to you want to take advantage of it absolutely you get paid you do something fun stretch yourself a little bit and then you know hopefully free skittles for the kids which is just what they need some sugar exactly. to wind them up exactly <laughs> Well, Kurt, dude, this has been so fun catching up with you. Uh, let's stay in touch. I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Good luck on the golf game. Uh, impressive answer on Julie. We're going to cut that for you specially and send it right <laughs> to you uh, just in case you're out on the range practicing a little too long and she gets, she gets right, mad at you. Exactly. You have something to throw right back at her. That'll uh, buy me but, some time. I like that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, great to talk to you buddy uh stay healthy best of luck next year and uh keep doing your thing man we're proud of you hey thanks for having me on so much respect for you as a player and as a person and um happy to do it anytime appreciate it buddy we'll talk to you soon thank you like share subscribe uh at mark underscore sanchez at fourth and forever instagram twitter all that you know where to go thanks again for having us and we'll see you soon It is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.